Hey Insider, I'm back again with an exclusive interview with a success insider called Antonio Centeno, who's the founder of a YouTube channel called Real Men Real Style with over 1.8 million following. If you're somebody who wants to learn the art and the science behind style on how it can increase your income as well as your impact, today's interview is for you because Antonio specializes in teaching men how to best dress for your own particular style so you can stand out in the noisy marketplace. So make sure to pay close attention, especially to the points that's mentioned at the end of today's interview and let me know on your thoughts in the comments box below. And without further ado, here's the interview with Antonio. Enjoy, Insider. What would you say to people? Because, you know, I've heard from some personal clients before, I haven't got time to dress well and research into all of this. Why is it important to learn about style when it comes to, let's say, being a more successful entrepreneur? Yeah, you know, and it's funny, you never hear anyone say, I don't have time to go to the bathroom, right? I mean, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a priority, correct? Yeah. I mean, you got to go to the loo, you're going to go. Uh, and, and be honest with yourself. It's just style isn't a priority for me. It's because if you're not spending time with your kids, let's be honest, it's not that you don't have time for them. You know, you, your kids are not a priority and that's a harsh truth. Mm-hmm. And the harsh truth is these people just don't believe that style matters because if they did, they would spend more time on it. And my job and what I look at, what I do is I help open up their, their eyes to, you know, you've gone after, you've got three degrees, you've got 20 years of experience, yet there's this guy that's 10 years younger than you who is kicking your butt. And you know why? Because he's got a personal brand. He is the brand. He embodies that. He's referable. He looks the part of a successful IT, you know, business owner. And you don't. And that's the harsh reality. A lot of guys don't want to face it. They want to put their heads down and go get a third degree. They want to go put in another 10 years of experience, but that's not going to help you. You've got to be able to send the signal of trust with the way that you look, the way that you present yourselves. And so for a lot of these people, I unfortunately, I think they're hiding from the truth of how this is a force multiplier. It's like a, can you imagine a three-wheeled uh, Ferrari going down the road? You know, (laughs) what are you going to see? Yeah, you can't because it's going to be sparking, you know, with with that missing wheel, you're going to it's and how fast do you think that Ferrari is going to go with three wheels? Not very fast. 15 miles an hour, let's say. Mm. So if you were to add that fourth wheel, boom, onto it, it's safe to say you could probably go from 15 miles an hour to 150 miles an hour, right? Yeah, that's a 10 times, uh, you know, multiplier right there. And that's what I look at with style is it's a force multiplier. It's that missing tire that and these guys are just wondering, why is everyone passing me? And it's like because you don't control your image. I can tell, you know, you're you're well groomed. You pay attention to your hair. You pay attention to the background, you know, of, of here on the video more than me, probably. This, <laughs> I need to, but you do pay attention to style in image. And it's one of those things that, again, if a guy can see how much this is holding him back, then. I, then it's very easy for me to come in there and show him the step-by-step actions he needs to take to implement and become a better dressed man, a better well-mannered man, a man that looks the part of the success that he knows he wants to be. What would you say is style to you? 
How'd you define it's, it? You know, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't really define it because it's different for every guy. And really it's, I mean, I was actually just putting together a list of if you had to describe your style in one word. And, you know, I had like, I think 200 different words that people in my group, I'm actually pulling this up right now, but these guys are telling me, you know, when, when they're describing their style, it's rugged, it's rakish, it's classic, it's practical, it's timeless, it's modern. Uh, everyone has you know, a different definition for it, whether it's one word, whether it's five words. But what I want to see for, for the guys listening out there, for, for those that are considering this is think, you know, when somebody sees you, what do they instantly think? And if you're in sales, if you own a business, if you are trying to grow your nonprofit, understand that you are sending an image with your presentation and, oh, you do most of your work behind the computer screen. Well, guess what? Then when you do go meet with people, it's even more important because you only get like one or two shots to mm -hmm. actually. So when you go to that conference and you, you know, you've got to know how to go around and for people to want to approach you because you look the part. I was talking with a lawyer the other day and this guy, the news stations in his town, Jacksonville, Florida, they come to him. You know why? Because he looks the part of a successful lawyer. He thinks it's funny that all these other law firms that are bigger than him, they don't get any of the TV cameras going to seek them out because they don't look like successful lawyers. And People, these news people, they get it. They, they want something that's going to get engagement. That it's And this guy can talk. This guy can present himself. This guy looks the part. He looks like he's coming off a TV series. You know, and that's what people want. It doesn't, it's not fair. And many people say, oh, it doesn't have anything to do with my performance. But it's the reality. And if you, you know, if you're ignoring reality, then, you know, you're going to have problems in your business. So are you saying every industry has a has a look in a way that you should try to look apart? Yeah, even the nudist colonies they have a look, right? <laughs> yeah, you're that's naked. true. I, I mean, it's you're naked. I mean, that's and it, even in the you know, if I say the Clown Association of you know America, <laughs> I mean, you have an outfit. You so it, yes, it, it doesn't matter what you do. There is uniforms convey authority. If if a naked man runs into a room, says everyone get out. We, we call the police. If a fireman runs in the room and says, everyone get out, mm. we get out because authority, because of recognition of what that uniform signals. And you have to be in tune with this. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, if you if you have a startup company that you need to be wearing a suit every day. But I am saying that we'll understand that the way that we dress, it not only affects other people, but it affects the way that we perform as human beings. And that's called the science of enclosed cognition. I've got tons of research coming out of like Northwestern University where they have actually done studies. They dress people up in white jackets. Half the population they tell that's a painter's smock, just a, you know, a white throw over jacket. The other half they told that's a doctor's jacket. When they took exams, what they found is there was significant difference, higher performance for those that thought they were wearing a doctor's jacket. They were more, they were more in tune. They were more careful. They were more conscientious of when they were taking this exam, they performed higher. So if you're a student, you wear clothing that makes you perform better, you're going to perform better. Um, and it's just something that if you ignore this, you're ignoring like a whole area of reality. And I, I get it. We like to, you know, stay within our silos and maybe the world's telling us that, Hey, don't worry about how you look. Don't judge a book by its cover, but we judge a book by its cover every single day. So what would you say if, if, for example, take for example that lawyer, if he were to look the part, wouldn't that essentially make him look like everybody else? Or do you give him something that makes him stand out? 
It depends on, you know, and this is where we get a little bit deeper where I'm like, what do you want to send the signal of? What do you want to represent? I was in Austin, Texas, and there's a lawyer who's got a big billboard and he's got tattoos all over his face. He's got huge earrings and he's got like just crazy hair. And you know what? He knows who he wants to attract. His message is all about, hey, getting, you know, getting arrested for the for looking for being yourself. Contact me. He's going after a very tight demographic. You're right. Most lawyers actually get this. And that's where I I think there are lawyers that I can work with to help improve this. But I think that the biggest dividends where you can is industries where people are still falling into and, you know, they, they don't know how to separate themselves. And everyone, there's all, we're all falling into a fashion trend. If you go out and you walk around just in your town, look around, people are wearing the same thing. They don't even know it, that they're, they're caught in a fashion trend. The other day I had a buddy in from uh, Colorado and he's a financial advisor and we're about to go to a, an event that was just out at a park, you know, nice outdoor concert. And uh, we're talking, he's, he's laughing at style and he's saying, you know, well, I'm just a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. And I'm, and with running shoes and with a baseball cap. And I'm like, well, you know, it's funny is so is 70% of everyone else you're around and you guys are caught in a fashion trend. I'm not going to, you know, cause now that could be your uniform and your look, but understand that if you haven't thought through that, no, you're caught in a fashion trend and you're just being lazy or, you know, and I, I hate to say that works is I understand we have a lot of other things to focus in on, but if you haven't thought about what message that's sending, then in a sense, you're ignoring this whole area, this whole field that could leverage up your business, could leverage up your opportunities. So how can we, uh, I suppose, dress best for ourselves, taking that into account? Well, the first thing is to actually like, you know, admit you, I mean, make a commitment that this is something I'm going to improve. It's, it's, you know, simply by, you know, and there's many things you can do. You can actually go out there and just simply buy a book. That is a small financial commitment. You can actually go out there and hire a coach. You know, you can take a course. You can actually go out and, you know, set up a time in which you are going to go to, you know, a large store and work with someone, mate with a tailor, go to a nice shoe store. But I would say scheduling time to actually get this done and to go in there and see and to test for yourself. There's a guy named Neil Patel, huge fan. He's a, he's an online, uh, web optimizer and he's all about conversions mm. and he did a, you know this real life conversion because he goes in and he asks companies for crazy amounts of money to basically for consulting we're talking he starts at like you know twenty five fifty thousand dollars per day for just his team going in or, or like one person i mean it's it's and he's like you know Am I going to close more people if I actually dress the part of this high level consultant? And so he did his own test and he kept his own notes and he taught, he spent a lot of money on clothing. This guy went overboard. He bought like all Tom Ford, uh, high end, you know, Gucci, uh, bags and shoes. Uh, I think he spent like, I don't know, $150,000 on clothing more than I would recommend the vast majority of people. But he clearly showed over that next year in his business, he made an extra $700,000 in sales. And he, all he did was increase his close rates on his coach or his consulting. Cause people were like, well, the way this guy is decked out, he's gotta be worth it. He looks the part. And so I challenge people to actually go out there and test for themselves. But when it comes to initially taking action, it's all about making it a priority, making it important, scheduling, committing your financial resources and going out there and doing it. You're going to make mistakes. If you want to do this all by yourself, uh, which is perfectly fine for many people, I put out 
tons of information, over a thousand videos on YouTube, uh, like 4,000 articles on my website, infographics, free apps. So you can use any of that information. Uh, and there's other great guys too, like Aaron Marino. Uh, if you want like a more, I think more fashion forward look, maybe you want your, your younger guy that's teaching men's fashion, Jose, these guys have great stuff out there, but you can, or you can hire a professional like in any industry to guide you and to help you not make mistakes. So if you're going to climb Mount Everest, uh, you can do it alone, you know, or, or, you know, that is, that is possible, or you can hire a Sherpa. So it's really, it's up to you, but make it a priority. It's interesting. Uh, you say that because, uh, last week we, we featured, uh, Neil on, on the show and that's the article I actually came across, uh, first time went, uh, across his work. And I found it so fascinating how, he spent a lot of money on himself and he, he basically broke down how he did get a return from that. Would you say, because what he invested in essentially are luxury brands, would you say you, you, it's important to invest like in luxury brands or can you pull it off without having to splurge hundreds of thousands of dollars? No, no not at all. Uh, you know, what luxury brands does Mark Zuckerberg splurge on? No idea. I don't think he does. No, does he? yeah, and nobody does. Yeah, he doesn't. He wears he wears the gray T shirt, but it's a uniform. He wears. In fact, if you look at his the the clothing, he he took a video of, of or a picture of his closet, and he said, "Hey, coming back to work just after he had his last baby, he took like a couple of weeks off, and uh, it was the same thing. He had." All he had a uniform. He's got these same colored hoodies, uh, these same colored shirts. He when when you think of uh, what's his name, uh, Ola Steve Jobs. What did Steve Jobs wear? That was the brand, though, wasn't it? I believe, I believe it was uh, part of it. Yeah, he had yeah, he had the turtleneck or something. Yeah, turtleneck. He had Black the he had the jeans. jeans. Yeah, yeah, New, New Balance shoes. Mm. Uh, but when you think of the brand of Vladimir Putin, what do you think of that? No, it's a suit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a suit. It's a, you know, it's like, mm. and, and he owns it. It's a very power. He's got his shoulders built up. He always goes with a power tie. And, you know, it, it's, so each of these guys have their brand. When you think of, you know, Kanye West, he's got a brand. He's always going for monochromatic outfits. Um, and he's pushing, you know, definitely things that he's putting out there. But if you get outside of the style industry, still so many people have a brand and they have an image and you don't have to align yourself with some luxury brands. Um, it really comes down to, in my opinion, first off, the fit of the clothing and it, it, how it's going to enhance your body type. I mean, if you're if you're 100 pounds overweight, I'm going to recommend that you wear clothing that you're never going to look slim, but I would rather you look you know, well put together and large and in charge than fat and sloppy. I mean, and, and, you know, you just can't, you know, you got to choose one or the other. And I would rather you go with one that, yes, you just control that image. Yeah, you're a big man, you, but you've got a big presence and it all kind of works out. What, what would you say to people who are a bit of a sensitive topic, but in regards to being overweight and stuff, is that something you believe? What, what are your thoughts on that in regards to self-image and personal brand? Do you believe you well, can got, pull it off either way or? Well, the guy's always got, I mean, he's got to take care of the body he has today. Unless you go in for surgery, you're not going to just drop all that weight immediately. Of course, I encourage a man to take care of his body, to eat well. You cannot run your mouth, to actually exercise, take care of your body. I want men to have impact. But it's one of those things that, hey, just some of us are just simply the way we're made, uh, where we're at in our life, what's going on. You know, so I encourage a man to dress for the body he has today. Okay. Let's talk about some of your habits in regards to personal development, because I believe behind every successful entrepreneur, there's a mindset that's running, uh, running them and helping to be uh, basically become more successful. 
What do you believe is the one belief that you've got about yourself that helps you to empower you when you've got setbacks in your business as well as your life? Well, you know, there's there's quite a few out there. I mean, uh, I would say I don't take myself too seriously. And I know that, you know, I all of this is going to end at some point. So I'm very grateful for what the success I've had. I still view it as is just a small tip of where I want to go and what do I want to accomplish. I surround myself with people that inspire me. And oftentimes I'm having to fly over to to meet them, to spend time with them. I do make time to uh, to really build a strong network of people who I can support, who I can give to. And on occasion when I need some help, they're always there for me. So I find that that really uh, insulates me from a lot of the, yeah, you fall down and we all have setbacks. I mean, I fail still probably on seven out of 10 projects that we get started with here at my company. But it is something that, you know, we move on pretty quick. And I do try to be grateful and celebrate the wins. I could still do that better, though. And uh, again, surround myself with people that help me see through and deal with uh, you know the setbacks that, of course, I think every entrepreneur has. Are you a fan of uh, morning or evening routines? Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm changing them up. I mean, what, my best days are usually when I wake up at 5:30 a.m. and I'm at the gym by six. Uh, then I'm usually having coffee with my wife by 7:30, uh, and then in the office right before eight, um, having had a good breakfast. If I can get that one part of my day, it's usually going to be a great day. Uh, however, you know, I'm not up for. Occasionally, you know, things get, you know, I've got four young kids. So there is the unpredictable in my life. Last night, uh, I had two kids pee their bed, uh, come end up in my bed, uh, kicking me and my wife almost all last night. So I didn't get as much sleep as I would like. And I decided to take it a little bit easier this morning, still spend time with my family. We homeschool and I, I do like to change things up. But if I can get an early start on the day, it's a huge win. I read online you're not a huge fan of the the hustle, let's say hundred hour week sort of lifestyles. As one of your big values is family, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I had the hundred hour weeks, uh, and I and I've done that. And I I don't mm. find any glory in it. I'm not saying it's it's wrong. Guys like Gary V, that that's cool. That that is their thing. But for me, it's not about the number of hours that you work. It's about the impact that you're able to have and also that you're being true to yourself and you identify uh, where you want to go, what you want to do. And what, what would you say? I, I mean, the, the part of 100 hour week, I mean, especially for people who are new to the world of business is they feel like they need to just hustle because they want to be more successful. What, what was it? I mean, you, you said you've had some 100 hour weeks in, in the past, but when did you tell yourself enough is enough? What was the catalyst for the change and how did you maintain that change to have a balance? Well, you know, first off, let, let's talk about, you know, I think it's a fallacy to think that somehow a hundred hour week is better than a 40 hour week. It really comes down to, you know, the, so we've heard of the Pareto principle, I bet, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, but if you go deeper into the Pareto principle, there's the, there's the second, so there's the whole 80, 20, but that goes deeper. So you can take that 20% and then the 80, 20 within that. And it's actually 4% of what we do yields us 64% of the results. Um, and that right there, it applies to your customers. It, it is really, it just goes to, there's only a few things that you're really doing that really matter. And if you value your time so little that you're willing to do jobs that honestly, like if you're not profitable, you should be making a little bit of money in your business. And 
you identify the pro- the things you're doing that are going to make you that money. And then you can hire someone, uh, usually at, at some pretty great rates, to be able to do those things that should be on your do not do list. Now, for me, the catalyst that you know made me cut off a lot of this stuff is just simply death. You know, I had I had a family death. I had my sister die, and I've got to immediately stop everything, and I've got to deal with her suicide and everything that comes with it, from going to the police, going to the coroner, dealing with cleaning out her her apartment, and I'm still taking phone calls while I'm dealing, I'm holding my sister's urn. And the thing is, you know, life is going to hit you. I don't know when it's going to happen to you. And I don't know when it's going to happen to the listener, but life is going to come up and hit you in the head with a sledgehammer and you're going to get sick. Your wife's going to get some terminal, you know, she's going to get cancer. Uh, One of your kids are going to, they're going to be in an accident. You're going to be at the hospital for four days, making sure, you know, that they, you know, just being with them in case that could be your last days with them. Your mom is going to die and you're going to want to be there for. So life is, is about to me. I mean, that that's life. That's why we're here. And if you think that your, you know, your glory, you know, every, you know, this hundred hours is making you look great. Now you're, tra- you've trapped yourself and now you can work a hundred hours if you really want to, but, but you should have it set up so that you could step away and your business could run like with one hour or two hours. And that's fine. I, I get that. If you love what you do so much, but don't be, but most people, that's the vast majority, 99.9% do not have that. They are trapped in a job and they somehow wear that like a badge of honor. I want my business to be like a beautiful watch, a nice watch that I simply, you know, shake once in a while. Uh, I wind up once in a while, but it runs pretty much and it tells time without me. And that to me is the true mark of a business that not only is going to be able to provide you the time to to figure out and to think about where you want to take it, but also gives you the time to live your life. Mm. Wow. Um, I totally agree. I, I believe it's so sad today that, well, firstly, in, on Instagram and so forth, it's kind of widely accepted and it's cool almost to hustle. And I find most people quit their jobs to achieve freedom and they trap themselves in their own business. And um, sometimes it's the big wake up call that, uh, that wakes people up. Now talk about, you, you mentioned the watch, you mentioned the time. Do you believe that's important when it comes to, um, I suppose, being recognized or as part of your personal brand, would you recommend spending more on a watch or what would you say to that? You know, I, I have actually put out a number of videos on watch wearing a watch. Actually, the studies have shown you will be a more conscientious person. They, they had this study where they asked people to show up for a study and they they had noted that half the people normally wear a watch, half of them don't. And the people that wore watches were on average three minutes earlier. And they were not late compared with the people that didn't wear the watch. It's a small thing, but being able to actually see the time I think is important. Now, no, I, I think I don't think you have to have an amazing watch. I have started to fall in love with watches. I have watches now that I've spent quite a bit of money on. Like this one's a Rolex Explorer. It's a beautiful watch. It's an expensive watch, but it's one that I own and I love because it reminds me of last year. I explored the world with my family and it's a commitment that I make to world school my kids. We are explorers and my children. Um, I, so it reminds me of we spent a month living in Thailand. We spent, you know, we spend a good month to two months every year living in Ukraine because that's where my wife is from and spending time with her family. Uh, we went to England 
for uh, for three and a half, not almost for a month last month or last year. Uh, we're going to go again this year for Chris uh, Ducker's uh, Youthpreneur Summit. I'm speaking on stage. Nice. So we explored London. We explored Paris for a good week. Um, we were able to travel to 22 states last year. This year, we've only been to about five. But it's still like that's what this watch symbolizes to me. It's well-made. It's classic. It was based off of what Sir Edmund Hillary, uh, he actually wore, I think, uh, what was an oyster perpetual up to the top in 1953, uh, to, uh, Mount Everest. But the year after they, they, uh, they basically brought out the Explorer and this is the, actually the original, uh, watch in the books that James Bond wore the Explorer, uh, not featured in any of the movies, but if you go back and read the books. So for me, it's fun to know that and to have those connections and to have that remembrance. Uh, but yeah, I could be wearing a $10 watch from Walmart and still it would tell me the time. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have that, that tight connection that I would have to it. But for me, I decided to spend the money here and to have this constant reminder. Do you wear any uh, luxury branded clothes, clothing yourself or do you just? Not too much. This is a Not shirt from Hanes. Uh, I paid 10 bucks for it online. Uh, the, the jeans are Banana Republic. My boots are Thursday boots. Uh, so I work, and a lot of the stuff I do wear, it's I'm testing out companies that I'll be working with uh, with sponsorships. So I'm a, like a walking sponsorship. And I find it's fun because I get to uh, try out all this stuff and then recommend companies. A lot of people have never heard of, but I think have a great deal. Like Thursday Boots just today, they were they basically were selling shoes at cost. These are Goodyear welted, which is a very uh, high level of construction with dress shoes and with, with boots. And they were selling them just, they were trying a, you pay what you want kind of scheme. I love it when a company like can do something like that. And you're not going to ever say, I mean, there's other great companies, Alden, Allen Edmonds, Churches, Cheney. I mean, those are, you know, some John Lobb, some great, you know, uh, English, American brands, uh, tons of French, but they're not going to let you walk in and choose what you want to pay. And so I like working with a company that I know is of good quality and does things like that. And I can share that with my audience. I can have fun testing out their product and kind of, I like to think in 50 years, people will look at these brands and say, oh yeah, that was an early influencer that brought it to help bring it to the masses. Great. Now, um, Let's talk about, I suppose, more the dressing sense, uh, because you mentioned earlier in regards to dressing for your industry. But what if your industry is a little bit not consistent with attire? What what do you do then? Is it more about looking at yourself in regards to what image you want to put out? Is that how it works? Or so, give me an example, like what the so, IT so industry. Take for or example, something? personal development industry. Personal development. Yeah, we we. Uh, I suppose all got different beliefs, let's say, different message we want to put out. So how would you dress somebody in the personal development in- industry? So if, you, if you're working with a coach and let's say that mm-hmm. they focus in on what, it, what is it like Tantra or isn't it? I'm not familiar with this too much. Would you expect what, them to be actual, in a... Uh, what, actual it, coach? Ne- what, what they teach? Yeah, th- this is a coach that's maybe working with, they've got healing stones. And this coach is also about, let's say, uh, healing yourself through through meditation. Do you expect them when you do a Skype call to be wearing a three piece suit with a big red power tie? No, no, I told this. No, right? they've just, they've, <laughs> they've just, so you have a vision in your mind of what oh, a spiritual person looks like. And we all have it. Plato talked about this, you know, the, what was it? The, the perfects, the particular, you know, I mean, a chair 
we see a chair. There is no such, I mean, he, the idea of the perfect chair is out there. And yet, you know, we're able to identify all these different chairs out there. Some have cushions, some don't. Some chairs have three legs. Some most have four. Some chairs, though, don't have any. They're actually just, a, you know, a big wooden stool. Uh, but the idea is we can identify a chair because we've got these visions in our head of what the ideal is. So imagine, you know, what you want to look like and you, what you want that vision of success to be and then dress to that person. You may not yet be that person. You may have ways to go. You may want more experience, more education, but you can start to dress like that person today. I've, uh, when it comes to clothing, I mean, my background, uh, a decade ago, is very, very shy, uh, socially anxious. So uh, when I created, I suppose, transformation in my life and business, I still, I suppose, remained reserved. And this is why still to this day, I, I believe I've still got one or two qualities, which is just remain reserved in the colors. Now, would you say this is a good thing? Because I always stick to, let's say, darker colors, black, dark gray, uh, navy. But I see sometimes people pulling off, you know, bright reds and so forth. So do you think right now I'm doing the right thing? Or do you recommend, for example, if you, if you as a person give me advice, and I believe the viewers would benefit from this, do you believe we should step out of our comfort zone and experiment with brighter colors? Or what would you say to that? It depends. I, I mean, what do you want? Do you want to have fun with it? I would say that if you start to experiment, there's many low cost or low risk ways that you could do that. Simply bring in color in a pocket square, maybe bring in color with a shirt or an accessory like a scarf or a necktie. Uh, you could have fun with a small accessory or color embedded in your shoes. Little details like that. I always like it when you're going with something that can easily, let's say you normally wear jackets, but you go very conservative. Uh, you go with sports jackets or blazers that, you know, but you don't wear a pocket square. Well, you could bring in some color there, but if you don't normally wear a pocket square, I would just say simply going with a white presidential fold right there. It's not going to grab a whole lot of attention, but it looks nice. It looks well put together. It looks very professional. So I view color in changing things up with experimentation, like adding a bit of salt to soup. I mean, adding salt to food brings out the flavor, but adding too much can overpower it. And you need to really know where that where that too much is. So it is something that I like to experiment lightly. Uh, and then but but the, you need to practice. And, and it's like anything you you get better, not by reading about it. Um, you know, I could give you all the books in the world on how to how to ride a bike. But if you've read five books on riding a bike, you don't jump on a bike and just start riding it. No, you you. You actually have to do it. You will fall down. You will, you know, make some mistakes. But, you know, th that's a big part of the learning process is actually doing it and the feeling that goes back, the instant feedback. What do you believe is the biggest mistake people make when it comes to dressing themselves? Dressing themselves, not caring. Going, I mean, I keep going back to this early point, but most people dress themselves and they don't care. Um, they, they, they have blah, blah, blah. And they put it together. You know, when I look at my clothing, what I wear, it's like, I love this. I love this. I love this. It's a tough, I mean, so I have to lay things out because it's like, I really like, and I feel good and I feel confident. And people pick up on that because you walk better. You, you feel more comfortable. Like just me talking about my, my Rolex Explorer. I get excited. I'm thinking, man, like where else are we going to go this year? And I, and I start to feel good about it's a placebo because you know, it has no real like the metal isn't infused with anything, but it's it makes me feel better. And studies have shown that there is a real effect here when you release endorphins, when you when you feel good, when you wear that that jacket that people are like, man, you look good today. You know, it's like 
you walk taller, you feel good. And so whatever it may be, I'm not saying you got to wear a suit. You got to buy, no, you don't have to buy an expensive watch, but do pay attention to that message and own, own that image. And is there like a basic attire that everybody could just start with, would you say? You know, I, I usually say I think every man should own at least one dark-colored, well-fitted suit. Uh, I'm not going to say every single man because obviously mm -hmm. we've got a wide range of cultures and different countries represented out there. But I do find that that's a great place to start. But I would say develop a uniform. Find something that you can get a lot of wear out of and that you could actually even have multiples of. For me, it's usually going to be blue or navy shirts, which you can see I'm wearing one now. Mm -hmm. I like this because – I've got kids with dirty hands and I never want to be able to, I never want to say to my kids, I'm sorry, I can't pick you up. Uh, and even if my daughter's got sticky, dirty hands, she's three, uh, or my other daughter's six. I mean, it's just, I want to be able to pick them up and grab them. I remember one time, uh, one of my daughters fell off her bike and I'm in a suit and I, I'm like, what can I do? She's crying and she's d dirty and muddy and she's, you know, wants my attention. You know, it's like, so for me, this is my day-to-day -day uniform. I, I wear dark colored jeans. I usually have uh, boots on. Uh, right now, Thursday Boots is just the company. I've got three or four of their boots I'm rotating through. And this is my go-to uniform. When I'm here in the office, I will throw on a jacket. Um, I've got, you know, but I, but I find that this is easy for me in my town of a thousand people. And do you lay, lay out these uh, outfits or do you look in the mirror when wearing them? How, how do you normally, what's the routine of dressing for you? Oh, I've got, you know, I've got two sets. Usually I've got, I've got some of them here in the office, but I've also got to, I keep a lot of my clothing in the office because it's more costume. And I say that in a good way because, you know, it's, I don't normally wear a suit or sports jacket, but in my videos, you see that because that is, you know, the image I, or I portray, but I'm very, very comfortable. And I will throw on a sports jacket whenever I can. Uh, but my day to day wear at my house, it's very simple. I've just got a small closet and I've got like three to four shirts, uh, that are there on hangers. I've got a few that are folded. Um, uh, I've got a wide range of undershirts, you know, it's like, yeah. So I just go in and grab what I want, but it's usually, it's almost every day. It seems like I'm wearing a very similar look. Okay, well, and you just pick them out and just put it on and see see yeah, how it they looks all, sort of thing? Oh, I don't have to because they're all interchangeable. So one of the oh, things okay. I teach guys is the idea of the interchangeable wardrobe. And that's where every shirt, every pair of trousers, every pair of shoes, every jacket, they all work together. So that way, if you had, let's say, three of each, instead of having, let's say you took three jackets, three shirts, three pairs of trousers, and uh, three pairs of shoes on a trip – Instead of having three outfits, you would actually have three times three times three times three, which is nine, twenty-seven, eighty-one. You have actually eighty-one outfits. Right. And what what do you do to self-groom yourself? Because I can see uh, you definitely do groom yourself very well. So, what's your routine uh, look like in regards to that? I, w I would say I definitely sh shower every day. Uh, yeah, but after I get out of the shower, uh, I'll either sometimes like today. Actually, I didn't shave. I shaved yesterday, uh, so I don't shave every day. But it is something that I do um, use. I use hair products uh, on occasion. Uh, if my hair starts to get too long, it gets really wavy and all over the place. My wife likes it, but I still, me personally, I like having things in their place. Um, you know, I use uh, different skincare products. I'm always testing again for me. I'm like a test bed. So I've always got different fragrances, uh, different razors even I'm using. So it's not, it's hard to zero in on just one. Currently mm -hmm. I'm testing a lot of disposable razors, uh, looking at, okay, like I talked about all these other, uh, straight razors, safety razors, uh, companies like one blade, but Let's go back and look at disposable razors and see, you know, how I remember them and what I've learned in applying new techniques. So, uh, 
I hope that helps. I, I know it's What's not your favorite uh, fragrance? <sighs> like right now, I, I definitely love Creed Aventus. Um, okay. it, it's expensive, but it's and it's made over there in, in your part of the world. But uh, I I love it. And you reckon, do you reckon fragrance is important when it comes to networking, making an impact as well? Or? Do you wear deodorant? Yes, I do. Colonia. Most most men do, and most men do care that they don't they don't want to smell bad. But whenever, but think about the opposite. What if you smell good? And and thing is, is women pick up on this more than anyone. Uh, they're they're much more in tune to fragrances. Now it's something you got to do responsibly. It can cause headaches for some people, and I don't ever try to overdo it. But it is something you can develop a signature scent. And the trucking industry of all of all industries is doing a lot of research on the fragrance industry, uh, simply because they find that certain fragrances can keep you more alert. So imagine if you know for these truckers, if they're driving down, they're getting a little bit tired at the end of their day, and something can sense in that truck that they've been kind of like all over the road uh, and all of a sudden a fragrance is released that wakes them up a bit. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, right there, they just saved probably a couple million dollars in light, you know, liability damage because that truck didn't, didn't crash. So it's not, you know, this is real stuff. And it's interesting how you can leverage fragrance to actually feel better about yourself, to remind yourself. I mean, for a lot of people, I, I know chocolate chip cookies. When I smell that, mm, I feel, I mean, it's like, I just like, oh, I have like, it's hard to resist. Mm. And it has an effect on us. So you started um, Real Men, Real Start. Is it 2012 you began? 2012 is, uh, I'd say, when I got serious with it. When you I got started, serious, I, was okay. writing, I was writing for it. I was putting some stuff out there. But about 2012, I made a commitment to put out a bunch of videos. I basically did 200 videos in 200 days, which sounds like a lot, but it was something that I did them in batches. And I just released a video every day, made that commitment. And that got me to my first million views on YouTube. Uh, some Incredible. of those early videos, I mean... Yeah, some of those early videos, they, I was lucky to get 100 views, mm-hmm. lucky to get 50 views. And it's just something, okay, you you get better. And if I had to have released – I mean you can get to a million views by putting out a million videos and if you watched them all. I mean that is possible, <laughs> but that's a lot of video. Yeah. And But I think more realistic is that you know, you've got to give a good amount of time to promotion and you've also got to do the work. So many people – they say they, I tried, no, you tried once, you tried twice, you tried maybe three times, but really, come on, let's, if you want to make this happen, you've got to put in the effort. Right. And you, you mentioned that earlier, earlier in regards to how you've traveled to different places to uh, hear from mentors, learn from them and so forth. Who, who do you believe have been, if you think about your most impactful mentor, what's the one biggest lesson that you've learned that's shaped you and your business to get you to where you are today? Hmm. One big, one big mentor. Um, you know, there was a, there was a professor, um, and he's a good friend now, Rob Adams over and he put out some uh, great books like, but he had this book. I mean, it was a good hard kick in the ass. And, uh, me and Rob, we, we hit it off. He had spent, he'd gone through Marine Corps OCS. And I remember it was all about like, Hey, your idea. I don't care. Your I- ideas are a dime a dozen. It's all about execution. And I remember that just like kind of blew up like this idea I had, this romantic idea back in 2005, 2006 of of how business is, that you just have to have this amazing idea and that's good. And you hear stories about like maybe Sabir Bhatia. Uh, he was the founder of Hotmail and he had this idea. He kept it secret. He was even – but – you know, and they kind of romanticized the idea that that one idea then went off to create a, you know, a $100 million business that he sold to Microsoft. Uh, 
but but that's not reality and that's not like true i mean because he had to execute on that and it's it's overplaying the importance of an idea versus actually going out there and doing the work i'm always amazed by these entrepreneurs who are to be honest like and i mean i mean this in a good way they're stupid like they are they just they, I mean, most people would say, well, they, they were too stupid to, to stop. They were too stupid to realize after 25 hours of, or 25 uh, sales calls that this was a bad idea. No, these guys persist and they put in, they put in a hundred calls. They deal with 99 no's to get to that one yes, because they believe in it. And those people I love because they don't, and, and I am not, unfortunately, like my problem is I overthink things. And I'm thinking I could be three to four times bigger, more successful than I am if I just simply put my head down and did the work versus getting lost in my own analysis paralysis. So I respect and I love those entrepreneurs that are too stupid to stop and they are so persistent. Now, they, it's, it's not the only thing. You know, you need to adjust, get better. But, uh, but those guys I have to put, take my hat off to because uh, they, they're just amazing. Awesome. So this is going to be one final question before we wrap up. Uh, if if you were to leave everybody, all of the insiders who tuned in today with one final big takeaway you want them to remember from today's interview, what would that be for you, Antonio? Uh, just simply take massive action. Uh, again, you know, don't let information, you know, if information was the most important thing or if information was power, librarians would rule the world. They don't. You know, it's like you have to take that information and apply it. Amazing. Antonio, just want to say thank you so much for coming on today and providing so much value to our amazing community. Thank you. You are welcome. Insiders, I hope you enjoyed this one today. If you have, by the way, be sure to give Antonio some uh, awesome comments uh, in the comments box below and like this video if you like this video. And as always, Insider, follow your heart, my friend, and take action and go live the life you're truly born to live.